The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, good morning. Take your Bibles with me this morning. Find the book of Daniel, if you would. All right. Everyone should have a study sheet by now. Let's go to Daniel chapter 1 together, please. Daniel chapter 1, and we'll read the first eight verses of Daniel chapter 1. You can read silently with me as I read aloud. In the third year of, of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand uh, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto uh, Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel. Pay attention to that phrase. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And we know Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah by other names. Uh, their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You might recognize those names. They're a little more prominent later in Daniel. Uh, verse 7, Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Let's pray before we go, we go into our lesson this morning. Father, thank you for the wisdom of your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the strength that it imparts to each of us. And now as we open your word today, we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us, would instruct us and teach us all things that you would have us to know. Uh, bless this time we have together for we, we thank you for it now in Jesus name. Amen. So far in our study on the marks of success, we've looked at, at two men. We looked at Noah and Noah we defined as a man of obedience, and and we saw in, in Genesis uh, that God's that the Word of God said Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and because of Noah's obedience, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. So, uh, and we studied and we talked a little bit about obedience, and obedience is such an important important factor in a Christian's life. Uh, without obedience, we cannot please the Lord, and and God expects us to obey Him in all things, regardless of how unpleasant they may be to us or how, uh, how much we, we don't want to do them, we are expected to obey the Father. Then we looked last 
last time we met together at Abraham. And we defined Abraham as a man of faith. And we looked at the, we looked at the particular story in Abraham's life where the Lord uh, uh, commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on Mount Moriah. And we, of course, discussed a little bit of the turmoil that may have been in the heart and mind of Abraham. But the most amazing thing I find when I read that story is the Bible tells us that Abraham rose up early in the morning. And I stressed last week that Abraham did not, did not waste time uh, obeying the Lord. And he had complete and total faith that even though he would take his only son at the age, he's now 100 years old, uh, not likely he's going to have any more children. He takes his only son up the mountain where God instructed him and is prepared and willing to sacrifice, to kill his own son in sacrifice unto the Lord. And he had faith to know that somehow the Lord would, would set all these things right. And what a great man of faith Abraham was. Even though during his life he had lapses in his faith, he had short periods where uh, he, didn't, he didn't exhibit faith. We, we know Abraham when we can look back and observe his entire life, we know him to be a man of faith. Uh, so, and certainly, faith and obedience are necessary components of a successful Christian life. We all know that. Without obedience, we can't, we can't be successful in our Christian walk. And, and without faith, we can't be successful. And we know this, yet it still eludes us, doesn't it? We still have those times in our life when we fail to obey. We still have those times in our life when we lack faith. And so um, we need to work on those things. And, and, and Paul told us in Scripture to mark those that are examples unto us. And that's what we're doing here in this series of studies. I want you to, I want you to remember men like Noah. Now, now, what do we know about Noah? Well, after he got off the ark, what did he do? Who knows? What did he do? He planted a vineyard and got drunk, right? Yeah. So he wasn't perfect, but the Bible doesn't say Noah was perfect. But it does say that because of his obedience, God accounted it unto him for righteousness. And you are, as I said, we are going to have momentary lapses in our obedience to the Lord. But let us have a life that when people look at us, when people go back and look at us, they're going to say, you know what? That guy obeyed the Lord. He lived his life in obedience to God. And that's what we have to strive for. And, and the same thing with Abraham. We know that Abraham went to Egypt and lied. He didn't, he didn't have an, he, he lacked the faith to trust that God would, would, would keep him safe there. Uh, so what did he do? He lied. He said Sarai was his what? His sister. Now she was, in, in a sense she was his sister, but she was his wife. And so, uh, you know, he, he, he lied. And he lied to protect himself. And, and uh, he should have had his faith in the Lord even in those instances. But uh, we know, we know how, how men are in their hearts. And by the way, what did Isaac do? Isaac went down to Egypt and what did he do? Anybody know? He lied. He lied and, and, and said that Rebecca was his, uh, his, his sister, not his wife. So, so you see uh, the old saying, the acorn never falls very far from the tree. Uh, like father, like son. And so we, we better be careful as parents uh, what we do around our kids because it's the things, we, we, it's the things that we, we don't realize that they are watching that will influence them probably more than the things we try to teach them. So we better be careful. But this morning I want to continue our study uh, and look at another Bible figure that would be considered successful. 
in his life for God. And that is this morning, that is Daniel. And Daniel, I want to define as a man of purpose. Daniel, a man of purpose. In Daniel 1.8, we read it a moment ago. We read, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, a few moments ago, we read, we read verse 3 and, and, and 4 in chapter 1, and I told you to pay special attention to that phrase, certain children of Israel. And, and the reason I want us to pay attention to that is because these certain ch- children were identified separate from the king's seed. If you go back and look at it, let's look at it. Verse 3, uh, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed. So here we see that these certain children are not, they're, they're, they're identified separately from the king's children, from the king's seed. Um, uh, and, and therefore we cannot of certainty state that Daniel was of royal birth. I've heard, I've heard many messages that says that Daniel was, was of royal birth, that he was, he was a, a, a child of, of the king's family. But we can't, we can't say that with certainty because the scripture separates these certain children from the king's seed, as we see. Uh, nonetheless, he was obviously uh, part, a part of a very elite, elite group of children. These were children. He may not have been of the royal family, but I'm sure that his his father may have been a may have been a, a, a an, an aide to the king. He may have been a, a soldier. He may have been a leader in the king's army. We don't know. It uh, doesn't specify, but we do know that he was part of a, of an elite group of Jews. He would have possessed a superior education from that of the average child. Now. We, we know from history that many of the children in, in, in these, these times weren't well educated because schools were for only the very prominent and very wealthy people. Most children didn't attend schools. So Daniel would have been much, much greater educated than any of the other children. He would have been, he would have been trained in uh, etiquette. He would have been trained in protocol He'd, he'd have known how to behave himself around royalty. He would, he would have known what was expected of him in the king's palace and, and all of these types of things. He would have been well-rounded, uh, a well-educated young man. So he would have been taught the disciplines necessary to succeed in whatever course he took in life. Now, I take the time to stress this this morning because I think it's important that we understand how important it is that we teach our children uh, concerning spiritual things. You know, if, if, if you, as parents or, or even grandparents, if you think that you're just going to uh, go through life with your, with your children or your grandchildren and they're going to turn out okay just because you go to church and just because you're a Christian, you're sadly mistaken. This is a brutal world we live in. It is a vicious world. That we live in. And the devil always attacks who? The weakest, the youngest. Those are, those are the ones he's after the most. You ever, parents, you ever take some time to sit down and just take a look at what's on TV these days and what's targeted for 
young children. I'm talking three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds. Sit down sometime and take a look at those things, and it'll amaze you. It'll shock you what type of things are being projected for the minds of our little children. And, And you and I need to understand that. We need to combat those things. Daniel was obviously a, a young man who was well-bred. He was, he was, he was uh, taught discipline. He was, he was taught uh, propriety. As I said, he knew protocol and all these things. And it was very important that these things be a part of his life. Because as we observe him now in this time period where he's taken from his homeland and, uh, and brought to uh, Babylon... He, he's, uh, he's obviously, from the words he's, he, that we read of him, he's a, he's a disciplined, strong young man. He has great character, and he has great determination to honor his God. Now, that doesn't happen by accident. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, it does not happen by accident. Daniel purposed, the Bible tells us, he determined that he would do the right thing regardless of the consequences, regardless of what it cost him. Now, now just think about our, our society today. I, I, I think we'd be hard-pressed to find adults that will do the right thing regardless of the consequences. I think we'd be hard-pressed to find gray-haired people who are prepared to to face any consequence necessary in order to do right and not cave in and give in and compromise. We'd be hard-pressed to find adults. How much more would we be hard-pressed to find children who would do those things? So I want us to get in our mind that Daniel was not an ordinary young person. He was, he was part of an elite, an, an elite group of young people. He was well-educated, he was trained, he was disciplined. And those things are the result of, of his family, his parents, and his, his teachers working to, to prepare him for a life of leadership, a life of, of, of discipline, and a life that would honor God. What are, you, what are your hopes and aspirations for your children today? What are your hopes and aspirations for your grandchildren? You know, I envision in my mind... Uh, being much older than I am now, sitting in these pews and observing younger men in this church taking the roles that, that I now occupy. And, and, I, and I envision seeing my grandson and grandsons in this church singing in our choir or, or serving in the, in, in the work of the church. I envision that. But I, have, I know it's not going to happen unless I, as their grandparent, impute some, some influence into their lives and, and, and show them by example as well as teach them by my, by my mind and, and, and actions how to live their life in this world. So this is important. Daniel is a very important young man for us to study and for us to know. So we see Daniel here. We see him as a young man. The Bible doesn't tell us how old he is, but it defines him as children. So we, we know that he's, he's not incredibly old. He may be a teenager, uh, maybe a preteen. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us how old he is, so we can't speculate on that. But I do believe he was, he was a pre, um, 
pre-adult. I don't think he was an adult yet. I think he was at an age where, where he would be considered uh, adolescent. So we see these things. But what can we learn from Daniel? What, what, when, I, when I studied the life of Daniel, I wanted to come away with some things that would benefit me. And I, and I do have three things I want to share with you this morning. So what can we learn from Daniel? Well, number one, we can learn this, that he based his purpose upon principles. He based his purpose upon principles. Remember, the Bible says he purposed in his heart. He, he determined in his heart. He, he decided in his heart. And he based his purposes upon principles. In Leviticus chapter 10, we read from verses 8 through 11, we read, And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generation, and that ye may put difference between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, and that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. And we see that Aaron is instructed by the Lord to have certain principles in his life, and that he is to teach those principles to everyone else around him. Now, it's very important for us right here this morning to remember that there is a distinct difference between principles and preferences. Um, the definition of a principle is a fixed or predetermined policy or mode of action. So a principle is something that is unchanging. It's something that's, that's predetermined. It's, it's an action that's predetermined and it's fixed and, and it does not change and it cannot be altered. That's a principle. Uh, whereas a preference is an action that we choose based upon our own sets of experiences and our own sets of expectations. So we have to understand that, I, I mean, there, there, there's a whole movement across this country that puts preferences equal to or ahead of principles. And I'm not saying, <laughs> excuse me, I'm not saying they're bad preferences. A lot of them are very good preferences. But you need to distinguish whether or not you're, you're basing your life on a principle or a preference. Why? Because preferences change. You know, over the years, my preferences have changed. And uh, if, if that's the case, then, then that means my beliefs are going to change. What I, what I base my life upon is going to change. But the principles of God and his word are unchanging. They are ever the same. Now, men may, try to, men may try to alter them by rewriting them or changing the meaning through, through use of different words. But the fact of the matter is, God has not changed. His opinions haven't changed since he created all things. And, and, and therefore, because God has not changed, his opinions have not changed, and his principles have not changed. And we need to understand that. It's very important. Daniel was not acting when he, when, he, when he decides that he is not going to eat the meat of the king and drink his wine and all these things. He is not acting upon his own preferences. It was not that he simply preferred not to eat and drink 
that which Nebuchadnezzar had assigned to him. I mean, you know, I don't like liver. I don't like kidneys. I don't like heart. I don't like tongue. I don't, I'll eat the carcass of an animal, but I'm going to leave his internal organs alone. Okay? But my daddy loved beef tongue. And every now and then, mom would cook a beef tongue. She'd set that big old thing in a platter on the table. You ever see how long a cow's tongue is? That thing is long. And I'd look at that thing and, oh, liver. She would, she would smother down liver with onions, and she'd put that on a tray and stick it on the table. Oh. Oh, I just couldn't handle it. I, I grew up when I was a boy. I liked hoghead cheese until I watched my grandmother actually make it one day. Do you know they, they really use a hog's head? That's why they, I guess that's why they call it eyeballs and brains and everything. I, told, I said, is that how you make that stuff? Oh, no, I'm not eating that. But, but that was a preference, okay? That was a preference for me. Uh, you know, over the years, my preferences have changed. I, I, when I was young, I wouldn't touch asparagus. It looked, it looked, just looked horrible to me. Now I love asparagus. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch uh, avocados. Now I love avocados, because over the years, my tastes have changed, my preferences have changed, and if we're not careful, and if we try to make our preferences principles. As we change in life, we're going to change our principles. Maybe the word of God won't mean so much to us anymore. Maybe, maybe church won't be important so I can be there and not be there. Huh? Better be careful. I think you ought to have good preferences. And you ought to live by your preferences. But you ought to live by principles more so. And principles precede everything else. Daniel was not just acting upon his preferences here. It was a principle. It was an unchanging law of God. And this principle was a picture of the purity of Christ. It represented the perfect, undefiled sacrifice for our sins. To eat and drink the food placed before him by Nebuchadnezzar would defile this picture of Christ. It would suggest that there are other sources of redemption other than the perfect and pure sacrifice of God. And this is evidenced by the lesson taught to us uh, in Peter after, after the death, burial, and bodily resurrection of Jesus. Once, Jesus. once Jesus came and he died and he was buried and he resurrected, the picture no longer needed to be preserved, did it? It was, it was done. It was finished. Jesus said from the cross, it is finished. We don't need all these ceremonial laws anymore. We don't need... We don't need to keep all of these laws anymore because all of these laws pointed to, to, to Jesus and Jesus has come and has, has been victorious. Therefore, we don't need the pictures anymore. We now have the real thing. And those laws were done away with. And I don't have time to read the whole thing. You can read it later. But in Acts chapter 10, uh, we see the, the, the story of Peter going to the roof and and. and worshiping God and he fell into a trance the Bible says and God lowered a sheet from heaven filled with all types of unclean beasts and God told Peter kill and eat and Peter would, would said no Lord I, I can't that's that's not uh, that's not allowed and, and God taught Peter the lesson that uh, that Jesus is the, is the is the savior and the picture is no longer necessary 
But in Daniel's day, it was. The Savior had not yet come, and Daniel understood that, that he must honor Jesus, and he must preserve, in his own mind and heart, he must preserve the picture of Christ. So we see that, that, that Daniel made a decision based upon biblical principles, not upon preferences, but upon principles. And, and from this we learn that you and I also must make our decisions in life based upon biblical principles. Not upon preferences. Not upon what we would rather, but rather what God demands, what God expects. And we're going we're gonna to study here in just a few moments that sometimes, sometimes those things might not be so pleasant to the, to the human. What God expects of us, what he demands of us. But uh, the first lesson this morning that I see from studying Daniel's life is that he based his purpose, his decisions in life were based upon principles. But secondly, I want us to understand and see here that he sought to fulfill this purpose by peaceful means. He sought to fulfill his purpose by peaceful means. In Romans chapter 12, we read, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I think it's very interesting here to note that Paul wisely, through inspiration, wrote as much as lieth in you. Because sometimes it's just not, sometimes it's just situations where you can't, you can't dwell peaceably, right? I mean, we, we have wars in this world where righteous, uh, righteousness must battle evil. And, and we've seen that throughout history. So, you know, if, if Peter, if Peter uh, I mean, I'm sorry, if Paul here wrote... At all times live peaceably with all men. That would, that would be bad news for our army. Because then God would have given us a, a command, a directive, that we are never to, to, to be at war with anything or anyone. But that's not, that's not the way it is. So we need to understand that, that uh, we need to strive. You and I need to strive to live peaceably with all men. But sometimes it's just not possible. And, and, and we must use wisdom when we deal with those situations. But understand that. Now, we can see from verse 11 of Daniel chapter 1 that he, he first sought to honor this command by a request. Look in Daniel. You should still be there. And look at Daniel chapter 1 and verse 11. It says, Then, Daniel, uh, to, uh, then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, verse 12, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So here we see Daniel. <clears throat> he is going to... He needs, to, he needs to stand upon his principles. He's going to stand upon his principles, regardless of the consequences. So he goes to, he goes to Melzar, 
That's a, that's a cool name, isn't it? Melzar. He goes to Melzar and says, look, here, here's, what I want, here's what we want you to do. Just give us pulse, which is just kind of like uh, put, uh, porridge or something like that. Just give us pulse to eat and give us water to drink. Nothing else for 10 days. And then after 10 days, you look at us, you look at our countenance, and you, you look at the others that eat the, the king's meat. And if there's any difference, if we seem weaker in the flesh or, or, or if we seem uh, uh, some kind, somehow deprived of, of nourishment, then you deal with us as you see fit. So Melzar says, all right, good deal. So they do. So we see from this that Daniel was very diplomatic. He, he, he didn't... He didn't use uh, vinegar. He used honey. He didn't go in there and say, listen, Melzar, I'm telling you right now. I don't care what you say. I'm not eating that, that stuff. I'm standing on my principle. He didn't do that. Melzar would have probably chained him up and threw him in the prison house and went to the king and said, hey, this kid we brought over from Israel, he said he's not eating what you gave him. But Daniel didn't take that, that, that path. He used a diplomatic path. He used wisdom in dealing with this situation. It's, it's very evident to me, however, that if he had not secured his purpose by this means, then he would not have hesitated to stand upon the principles regardless of the consequences. And this is evidence to me because of what we see happen in Daniel chapter 6. Turn with me there. Keep a, keep a marker in Daniel chapter 1 and go to, the, go to chapter 6. Now, let me set the story for you here, if you don't already know it. Uh, the princes in the land hated Daniel. And they wanted to trap Daniel and get him in trouble with the king. So what they did was they, they convinced the king to make a law. As a matter of fact, they even said, we shall not find anything against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning uh, his, his, the, his God. So they made the, they talked the king into passing this law that no one could pray to any god. They could only pray to the king for, for 30 days. And so the king says, hey, that sounds good. So he signed that law, and it was an unchangeable law. So here we are now at verse number 10 in Daniel chapter 6, and we read, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem... He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Now, I don't have time to finish reading through all of the scriptures there. You can read it yourself, the rest of chapter 6. It's quite, an, it's quite a, a beautiful story. But my point is this. <clears throat> the words are, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. There was no doubt in Daniel's mind what that meant. Yet he did, he did what was right rather than what was convenient. Now, do you understand this? All Daniel had to do is keep his windows closed and turn his candles, blow his candles out, kneel in his corner and whisper his prayer. That's all he had to do. And he could have still prayed to his God and he could, he could, have, he could have still fulfilled his obligation. But that's not what he did, is it? Daniel said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship and honor my God, and I'm going to let my life, I'm going to let it be seen to all those around me, regardless of what it costs. 
on your job, on your, at work, do people know you're a Christian? Or, or do you just kind of blend into the mix and you don't really come out and say anything because you don't really want, you don't really want, you know, you love the Lord and you honor him, but yeah, I don't want any friction. That's not Daniel. Daniel did the same thing he always did. He wasn't going to do one iota less for God than he did before that bill was signed. He went, he opened his window just as he always did. He knelt right in his window and he faced toward Jerusalem and he prayed and worshiped God. And these men, when they saw it, they couldn't wait, man. They made a beeline right to the king. Daniel broke the law. Daniel broke the law. Now you have to throw him in the den of lions. That was the penalty. We read in verse 21 there, it says, Then Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me. Uh, Daniel was cast into the lion's den. And King Nebuchadnezzar was, was sorrowful at, at his foolishness for signing that law. But Daniel had to face the lion's den. So I know that he had the courage to face the lion's den. So I know without a doubt that had Melzard not agreed to, to, to the test for Daniel, he'd have had no problem with taking a stand there either. So we see that Daniel sought first to, to, to fulfill his purpose by peaceful means. But then lastly, with just a few minutes left, we see that the path to success is not always pleasant. In Daniel chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, we see that the king reluctantly had Daniel cast, abound and cast into the den of lions. Uh, we also... See what happened to his companions. We know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Again, I don't have time to read all these scriptures, but you can read them later in Daniel chapter 3. By the way, I think you should read the whole book of Daniel. It's quite a book. It'll change your life, I guarantee you. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they walked up in front of King Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, we're not afraid to answer you. You can, you can do whatever you want to us, but we're not going to bow down to that graven image you've made. We're not going to bow down to that idol and worship it. Now, you've got to know Greek to understand that's what they said because you've got to be able to read between the lines. That's exactly what they did. They said, we're not, we're not careful to answer thee, O king. In other words, they said, we're not afraid to tell you what we believe. We're not afraid to stand up here and tell us. You can throw us in the fiery furnace if you want, and it'll kill us, but one way or another, we're going to be with God and we're going to be out of your, we're, going to, we're no longer going to be under your control. You know what they were telling Nebuchadnezzar? Put up or shut up. That's what they were telling him. You, you, may, you may have some power and authority, but after today, you are not going to rule us. You are not going to take away from us our, our liberties in Christ and the Lord. And you know what? I'm not overly concerned today with all the things happening in our world because I can't control those things. Evil is prevalent in this world. Evil is dominating. And, and, and there's very little we can actually do other than be a testimony and a witness for Christ and live our own lives to the glory of God. I'm not going to fret and worry about a casino opened in Ronan Park because I can't. St- we tried to stop it. We couldn't. And, and I'm not going to I'm, I'm certainly not going to support it. I'm not going to condone it, but I, I'm not going to live my life distraught over that casino, because if it's not that casino, it'll be something else. Do you understand we live in a wicked world? 
And, and as long as we're in this world, we're, we're subject to the evil thereof. But we're not controlled by it. We're not ruled by it. And that's what, that's what Daniel understood. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood. <clears throat> they knew, they understood that, you know what? Being a Christian doesn't mean we're going to live a life of peace and ease. We may have to endure some things. We may have to go through some things. We may have to suffer. Job suffered, didn't he? For no good reason other than to glorify God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the furnace. It was so hot, the men that threw them in died by the blast of heat. Daniel was thrown into the den of lions, and those lions just laid in the other end of the cave looking at Daniel and said, oh, I'm not touching him. Because there was angels there shutting their mouth, saying, don't you move. You know what my point is? My point is God is in control. He's in control. Let us learn to live by his principles. Three, three statements at the end and we're done. Number one, live by principles. Live by principles. Secondly, live at peace with all men as much as you can. And then thirdly, be willing to pay the price for victory. You're not going to succeed in life without paying a price. You've got to pay the price. got to be willing to pay the price for righteousness sake. All right, folks, I have to stop and it's time to go. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org